0: Praise God. So I've entitled this message today, When God Whispers Your Name, and the reason for that is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Did you know that God whispers your name? Did you know that God is always whispering your name? God is always seeking you out. He's always chasing after you. He's always coming after you. And I've thought about this and I've thought about why does God chase after us? Why does he come after us? Why why would he want anything to do with us at times? But you know what? He created us. He loves us. He wants to be part of our lives. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to be included in our daily lives. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us good things. He wants to make our lives easier. He's a God full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of love. He's full of kindness. And you know what, he wants us, he wants to show us that grace, that love, that mercy and that kindness. You know, I'm sure you've all seen the the American movies where this guy comes out of prison and he's claiming now that he's a changed man because when he's in prison, he's, I found Jesus. And he's claiming, you know, okay, his life is turned around now. And don't get me wrong, you know, that does happen. People in prison can have encounters with God. They can turn their lives around and praise God for the times that they do it's just that phrase that always niggled at me. I found Jesus. I found Jesus. Can I let you in on a little secret today? Jesus is not lost. Jesus is not lost. God is not lost. God is always there. I found Jesus. That would give the impression that Jesus was lost. And as I said, this always bothered me. And I've thought about it, and I've come to realize that it's just the way it's being said. A person who says that they have found Jesus and are being genuine in it are really just saying it the wrong way around. They were actually seeking God. They were seeking something else. They were seeking something better. And God actually answered answered their prayer, answered their, their call, and he showed up. And he used someone or something to get through to them. So Jesus is not lost and he never was. And I've thought about this and you know what? We make this whole thing, we make this whole encounter with God very difficult when it's actually so easy. God is not lost. He was always there and he is always there seeking us out. You know, kids play the game hide-and-seek all the time, and I remember when we were kids, we always played it. We played out on the street up to Shannon, and we played hide-and-seek. And you know what? I hated when I was the one that was it. Or as we said at our side of the town, I was the one that was on. I hated being on because when you were on, that meant that you were on your own and you had to go and you had to find your friends. And sometimes, you know, some of them weren't very imaginative and you found them very quickly, but then there was others that were really good at finding hard, difficult, hiding places, and it would take you an age to find them. You'd be wore out by the time you found them. So I hated being on, but you know what? In a game of hide-and-seek with Jesus, he's always on. Jesus is always it. Jesus doesn't mind being on at, on at all. He doesn't mind being the one that's on at all. He would always be on. He would always be the one seeking. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says, the son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. God seeks, God doesn't hide. Think about it. In the garden of Eden, who is hiding? Adam and Eve were hiding. God didn't hide. He came looking for them. Do you remember Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8? When Adam and Eve had messed up, then the man and his wife heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the breeze of the day, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? They heard the voice of the Lord and they hid, but he didn't hide. He was calling them. He was looking for them. He was whispering their names. Where are you? Just like every other day in the garden, God wanted to walk with them. He wanted to spend time with them. He wanted to check, how are you doing today? How's your day going today? And it's the same with us. It's the same for you, it's the same for me. God wants to spend time with us. He wants to be part of our daily lives. He's looking for you, he's looking for me. He's always there and he's always searching, always, always searching and looking. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I love this. I love that verse. Jesus is standing at your door and knocking. Praise God. All we have to do, all you have to do is open the door. Did you notice that the verse says if anyone if anyone opens the door. You know, God is a very just God. He will reveal himself to anyone. He will reveal himself to everyone. God seeks the good people, God seeks the bad people, God seeks the rich people, God seeks the poor people, God seeks the men, God seeks the women, God seeks the teenagers, God seeks the kids. If anyone will open the door, anyone, God rejects nobody and the thing about it is when you allow God into your life he not only secures your eternity but he brings so much more into your life when you open your life up to God the benefits are just huge the benefits are unending John 10:10 says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly God wants so much more for our lives. He wants so much more for your life. He wants our lives to be bigger. He wants our lives to be better. He wants to meet all of our needs. He wants us to be fit and well. He wants us to live safely. He wants to give us the desires of our hearts. He wants us to live a life under grace. A life under His grace. 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 God's grace. That unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, and we absolutely didn't earn it. But God wants to heap it on us anyway. He's a good God. He's a just God. And I want to look at an example of uh, this from the Word today. You know, this was uh, a woman, an outsider. She comes from nothing, she has nothing, but she makes a decision. And everything changes in her life because of a decision that she makes, a decision to allow God into her life. And it's actually the book of Ruth. We're going to talk about Ruth today, Old Testament, Ruth. And as you know, we live under the New Testament. We do not live under the Old Testament, but it is lovely to learn from the accounts in the Old Testament. So if you want to turn to the book of Ruth, we're going to run through the story. I'm just going to catch it up first. Okay. so we have a man called Elimelech, and he has a wife called Naomi. Now, Elimelech and Naomi have two sons and they're living in Bethlehem. And they're living in Bethlehem at a time when a famine hits. So they take their two sons, they leave Bethlehem, and they go and live in the country of Moab. So while they're living in Moab, tragedy strikes. Elimelech dies. Elimelech dies, and he leaves Naomi with her two sons. Sad, tragedy, not total disaster now, because she still has her two sons. The Bible says that the two sons go on to marry two Moabite women. One of the women was called Orpah, and the other one was called Ruth, the lady we're going to look at today. Now, this, for the two boys, may not have been the wisest course of action, because not only now are they living in an ungodly land, but now they've married two women that don't know anything about their God. But the Bible says they lived there for about ten years. But then tragedy strikes again. Both of Naomi's sons die. Both of them die. Both her sons, her husband has died, now both of her sons die. So now we have three women left, three widows left. This is a disaster for Naomi. It's a disaster for her because, you know, in those days when, her, when the husband dies, the sons take care of their mother. But now she has no husband, she has no sons. She has no one to take care of her. So she decides wisely, to return to Bethlehem. She has heard now that the famine in Bethlehem is over, so she decides to return to her hometown. And her daughters-in-law, they both offer to come with her, but she encourages them to stay. She encourages them to stay with their people and move on with their lives, find new husbands for themselves. So Orpah, the first daughter-in-law, she stays, she decides to stay. But Ruth insists on coming with Naomi and sticking with her always. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. So Ruth chapter 1 and verse 15. And she said, so it's Naomi here, and she's speaking to Ruth. She said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Verse 16. But Ruth said, are you listening to what Ruth said? Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Your God, my God. I remember the first time I read those scriptures, I was so excited. I was so excited. Naomi is here, and she's being kind to the girls. She's saying to the girls, go, be with your own people. Make lives for yourselves. Don't worry about me. I'll head back to Bethlehem. And Orpah returns and that's fine, that's what Orpah wanted to do. But Ruth would not go. Ruth said, no, I am staying with Naomi. This is Ruth now, okay? Ruth, the girl from the foreign land. She's going to head over to Bethlehem. She's a girl from a foreign land, she's lost her husband, she's childless. She has a, her whole world has been ripped from under her. And what does she do? She insists on staying with Naomi, and she tells Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people, the people you choose, will be my people. And most importantly, the clencher, the life-changing words, your God will be my God. Your God will be my God. As soon as those words left Ruth's lips, her course of life was now changed. She was now declaring that the God that Naomi knew and the God that Naomi served and probably talked about, remember a few weeks back we talked about how we should share our encounters in the knock-on effect? I'm sure Naomi had shared her encounters with God. This God now, Ruth was declaring, your God will be my God. Your God will be my God. She was whispering her name. God, she knew God was whispering her name. He was standing at the door and knocking. She heard his voice and she opened the door. What happened when she opened the door? Her heart was open. Her heart was open to God now. What happened when she opened the door? Her heart was open and God came in. God came in and changed her life. God's grace was about to take over. Wow. Praise God. It's getting good. So they arrive in Bethlehem, and we're skipping on now. You know, you should read the book of Ruth, it's very, it's excellent. But they arrive in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, and Ruth knows she has to do something. She's looked, she has, needs to look after herself, she needs to look after Naomi. So she knows she has to do something, so she decides to go and glean, glean of the grain. And she says to Naomi, I'm going to go and glean, and I'm going to go and glean wherever I can find favor. Oh, favor. She doesn't understand yet about the God that she now serves. She doesn't realize yet that the God that she has allowed to take control of her life is the God of favor. He is the God that opens the doors of opportunity. He is the God that opens the doors that no man can shut. She decides to glean. It's something that the women did in those days. It's something that the poor did. The farmers didn't reap in the corners of their fields or they didn't gather the leftover grain. They left it there for the poor and to gather. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 3. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. She happened She happened to come to the part of a field belonging to a guy called Boaz, a guy called Boaz who's related to Naomi's husband. I do not think that's a coincidence, do you? This is the favor of God. When we allow God, he will direct our lives, he will take control of our lives, and he will lead our lives in the direction that we need to go, just as he did with Ruth here. God directed Ruth to the field of Boaz, the field of a family member, the field of a family member where she would be looked after and where she would be protected. So she goes to the field and she starts to glean. She's working away with all the other women. Boaz arrives. Boaz arrives at the field and Ruth catches his eye. woo praise God. And he makes inquiries about who this woman is. So they tell him who she is. They tell him who she is and about Naomi, how she's Naomi's daughter-in-law. So when he, when he finds out who she is, he tells her to stay in his field. She's to continue working in his field. And he tells his men that they are not to touch her. Ruth chapter 2, and verse 12, Boaz says this to Ruth. "'The Lord repay you for what you have done, "'and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, "'the God of Israel.'" under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz knew what Ruth had done. She had come under the wings of God to take refuge. Ruth is now taking refuge under the wings of God. We can take refuge under the wings of God. Amen. We've been drumming it into the youth. During this season of coronavirus, we've been drumming it into him, Psalms 91, Psalms 91. Psalms 91 verse four, he will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the calamity that destroys at noon. Though a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, no harm will come near you. God provided a place of safety for Ruth to work. And not only that, he goes on to provide food for her. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Wow. Wow. At mealtime, Boaz invites her to come and eat with him and the reapers. Ordinarily, the leaners didn't do that. They would never be invited to come and eat with the boss and his reapers. They would never have that privilege. But Ruth is not serving an ordinary god anymore. Boaz invites her to eat with them, and he actually passes the food to her. Not only is she sitting with the boss and the reapers, but he's passing the food to her. And the Bible says she eats and is satisfied, so she has enough to eat, and she has some left over. Why does she have some left over? Because you know what? She has to look after Naomi. Amen? So not only is Ruth being provided for her now, but Naomi is also being provided for her. God is a provider. He's an abundant provider. Amen. In verse 15, when she rose to glean, so she's eaten, now she's satisfied, she has some stored away to take home to Naomi. So when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also, also, pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So at mealtime, sure, Boaz makes sure she has enough to eat. And then when they go back to work, he tells his men, you do not reproach this woman. You do not reproach this woman. Let her glean even among the sheaves. And that wasn't what was supposed to happen. Even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And then he tells them, and let some purposely fall so that she can pick it up. So not only was she going to get what, what would normally fall and she could pick up, they were now told that they were to leave some directly. They were to purposely let more fall so that she could gather more. Wow, favor of God. When Ruth declared to Naomi that your God will be my God, favor was released, grace was released into her life. The Bible tells us that Ruth went on and she, she worked away in the field of Boaz until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. So now, Ruth has clearly found God's favor. Praise God. Even this far, he's given her a job, he's protected her, he's provided for herself and Naomi. But he didn't stop there. Why did he not stop there? Because God doesn't have to do a job. You know, sometimes we half do things. We half finish them. We, we go into them with gusto, and, you know, we're, we're all fervent and we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then we get tired. Halfway through, we get tired, and we just half finish the rest of it. God is not like that. When God goes in with gusto, he stays in with gusto, you know, and he's given her protection now. He's given her provision. He's given her a job. He doesn't stop there. God does not partly provide, he completes things. Remember, Ruth and Naomi they're still by themselves. Still no husbands, still no children. And in those days, there was a law called the Kingsman Redeemer, which basically was a law to protect widows. It was designed to rescue widows whose husbands had died and left them with no children. And usually, it was obviously a man, and it was a family member that would step in to look after them, a family member of the husband. And, you know, once the widow was part of that family, they were responsible for her now, someone was going to have to step in and look after her. And there was actually, um, we know that Boaz, of course, was part of this family, but there was actually another male relative who was even more closely related to Elimelech than Boaz was. So through a series of of events, Boaz steps in here and he decides he wants Ruth for himself basically so he steps in and he arranges to meet this other man this other closely more closely related man and he steps in and he chats with him and they they discuss things and they agree through a series of events if you want to read it yourself they agree that Boaz should marry Ruth so Boaz married Ruth now Boaz marries Ruth, so Ruth not only now is provided and protected for and secure, her security is totally secured now. She has a husband to look after, a husband who will look after her mother-in-law as well. And you know what, it doesn't even stop there. Ruth chapter four and verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he had relations with her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Ruth has a baby. All of the years that she was married to her first husband, she never had a child. All of those years and she never had a child. And now she marries Boaz and straight away she has a son. And she has a son, a son that will take care of her in her old age. All the years that she'd been married, she never had a child. And now all of a sudden she's married to a kind, generous, wealthy man, and she has a son. God is faithful to Ruth. God is faithful. And just as a little side note, Ruth calls her son Obed. Obed went on to have a son called Jesse, who in turn had a son called David, who is actually King David. Ruth's son, Ruth's son, your God shall be my God. Ruth's son went on to be the grandfather of King David. Praise God. (laughs) As soon as Ruth allowed God to be her God, as soon as she allowed him to be Lord of her life, her life changed totally. And God will do that for us too. He will do it for me. He will do it for you. If we allow him, if we allow him to take control of our lives, he will lead us in the right direction always. He will make sure that we meet the right people at the right time. He will make sure that he sends the right people across our paths. He will make sure that we're in the right place at the right time. And he will give us the desires of our heart. Wherever you are this morning, whoever you are this morning, whoever you think you are, or whoever somebody else has told you that you are, or whatever you've done this morning, God is whispering your name. Trust me, he's whispering your name. God seeks everyone. He is calling everyone. God just If somebody tells you that God chooses certain people, do not believe it, it's a myth. God does not just choose certain people. He wants to save everyone. Ruth was a foreigner in Bethlehem. She had no money, no food, no home, nothing. Unimportant, you could say, but she was important to God. As soon as she allowed God to reign in her life, her life was turned around let you in on a secret this morning, another secret. You are important to God. You are important to God. He would love to be allowed to take control of your life. But the thing about it is you have to allow him. You see, God is a gentleman. God is a gentleman. He stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't barge down the door. He doesn't barge his way into your life. He stands at the door and knocks. He's a gentleman, you have to allow him. And you know what? Sometimes people have an issue with this word, control. I can't give control of my life to somebody. Unfortunately, nowadays, the word control is kind of like a dirty word, you know? Because the problem is that so many times, people have allowed other people to take control of their lives, and they've misused it, and they've abused it, in order to control a person's life. And then people get left hurt and heartbroken. I guarantee you today, if you allow God in, if you allow God control of your life, He will not misuse it and He will not abuse it. He will not hurt you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will only lead you in the way that is good. He will advance your life. He will give you increase. He will love you. He will protect you. Don't be afraid to let go. Don't be afraid to surrender to him today. And you know what? Maybe you know all of this. Maybe what I've told you today you already know, but you know you feel in the last while that you've let it slip away. Maybe you're a little bit like Adam and Eve this morning and you're hiding. You don't want God to see you because of what you've done. But you know what? God is whispering your name too this morning. He has never left you. He is right there. He is still it he is still on in the game amen talk to him today he's ready to love you he's ready to forgive you he's ready to heap that grace on top of grace all over you god is whispering your name today don't you hear it you know it's like radio signals you know i love ended to bits but he's a radio geek he is obsessed with radios He is always buying new radios. There's radios everywhere in our house. Or if not, he's buying a new aerial for his radio. You know, I actually found out recently that he has a stash of hidden batteries at home. A stash of hidden batteries at home for his radios. He's always playing with the radio in the car. Wherever we, we love to go for drives. It's what we like to do. You know, we go for a drive in the car, we pull in down at the hook. What's the first thing Enda does when the engine's turned off? Radio goes on, and he starts to fidget with it. He starts to fiddle with the radio, because you know why he fiddles with the radio? Enda is not just content with hearing the radio stations that we can get here in Wexford, like Southeast Radio and whatever, and they're great, but you know he wants to hear more. He wants to hear radio stations from Wales. He wants to hear radio stations from all across Europe. But in order to get those radio stations, he has to have the right equipment. You know, There's no point in Enda standing on the roof and trying to hear a radio station in Wales. But you know, I really don't know anything about this, but he tells me about it, and I listen because I'm a good wife. And he tells me that radio signals are everywhere. We are surrounded by radio signals. We can't see them, we can't hear them, we can't feel them, we can't touch them, but they're there, they're always there. They're always there. And the thing about it is they're not hiding. He explained to me they're not hiding. They're actually always there all around us, never hiding. But just because Enda can't see them, or hear them, or touch them, or feel them, doesn't mean that they're not there. But the thing about it is, if he wants to hear it, if he wants to hear those radio signals, he needs to tune in. He needs to get his receiver, and he needs to tune it in. He needs to tune it into the frequency, like example, 95.6 FM. Enda will not be able to hear a radio station unless he tunes in. The radio signals, as I said, are always there, never hiding, but he has to tune in. Always, they're always there ready to be heard. He just has to tune in. And you know what? God is always there ready to be heard. God is always there ready to reveal himself to everyone. All we have to do is choose to tune in. We have the power, we have the receiver that we need. We just need to tune it in to the right frequency. Our last scripture this morning, John 14:6. Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You choose where you spend eternity. That's your choice. You can reject God, but he will never reject you. He's whispering your name today. Please listen, won't you listen? Won't you tune in? Won't you tune in to his frequency this morning? Won't you allow him to take your life and fix it and make it better? God is not lost. He's right there calling your name, his hand is stretched out. Grab hold.